For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's going to be a day. We're going to have some fun. As my baseball players were always fond of saying, I don't know how to do that. Coach Mike, he doesn't know how to do that. And then they turn around. You're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun looking at the world. So I say we because I'm over here and Lou's over there. Hey there. So that means you're in trouble. So <laughs> we will both give you the disappointed dad look if you're not paying attention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we are here to tell you that it is God who makes the rules and nobody else. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be fun because we have, I have called an audible on Lou. Normally, shall we, shall we unveil the curtain and show them how the sausage is not made around here? Okay, all right. <laughs> Normally, because I have this kind of free time, I put together, you know, the layout that we follow. So, what passage we're going to start with, what our pithy little saying of the day is, what our learned lessons are, and what our pop culture or theologically invested story of the week sort of is. And I send it to Lou so that he can look at it. And then we kind of figure it out from there. This week, no. There's nothing. There is no sheet. <laughs> there is no plan. Do I look like a guy with a plan? Sorry. <laughs> you don't need one, do you? <laughs> so, so there is no plan because this week's pop culture, theologically invested story is sitting upon thy silver platter. Oh, yeah. And it is rich in theological importance, and my personal favorite thing, worldview analysis. Uh-oh. So that is where we are going to dive in. But, Christian, but there's more. as you think through your world, you should do so with a biblically informed worldview. Therefore, we shall start where we should always start in Christ, which is in the Word. So I'm always telling you to read it. It is good for you. So we are reading out of Psalm 139. That was our little starting point. You have formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's keep reading. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Let's stop. What works? Based on context, Christian. Always remember, the, the context of your Bible is vitally important. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it well. That would be the forming of the you, the putting you together. When Paul tells you in Romans 1 that you know the truth and you're rejected in unrighteousness, he, he, he wasn't just like sitting around like playing with the peyote one day, be like, hey, dude, come here, Timmy. I got an idea, man. I, like, I think there's a God and stuff, and he, like, puts people together, man. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. He's basing this on Scripture. This is what the psalmist in Psalm 139, by the way, the psalmist is that great King David. So we're talking about David. Mm -hmm. He understands that where has he come from? He has come from God. For whom shall he work? He shall work for God. To whom is he going? He is heading towards God. This is your foundation for everything. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet 
there was not one of them. So in other words, when you didn't know about you, God did. When you didn't plan for your life, God did. When you were unseen to the outside world, because think about when David's writing here. You're talking about what? 10th century BC? There are no ultrasounds. Right. There are no scans. There is no MRI. None of that. Yeah, they, they know nothing of DNA or development of a fetus or any of that. When you are a mystery and an unknown to the outside world, God sees you. God knows you. God is prepared for you, and God is, God is planning out your life upon this world. When no one else is, when no one else sees, when no one else knows, God does. Therefore, you can continue. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So when no one sees me, God does. When I see the world, God still sees me. When everything is overwhelming to me, when everything that I could partake of in this world is right in front of me, I should be looking at it and partaking of it with God in mind. His thoughts higher than mine, Isaiah 55. His ways higher than mine. His word being the guide in the pathway that I follow, not my own. Why? Because he has formed me, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What's the beginning of wisdom? <laughs> That's why you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Yep. And the fools despise knowledge and instruction. Yep. In other words, fools do what? There is no fear of God before their eyes because they've rejected the truth and unrighteousness. Yep. Understanding that the adjustment to your thinking begins with a recognition that you are made by God for God is the beginning of your understanding of how this world operates. This is why you do what you do and why you don't do what you don't do, Christian, or at least it should be. That's why we're always telling you, if you can't justify that decision, that thought process, that understanding, any whatever that is, by a biblical foundation... You're in the wrong place. You have discovered the sinking sand of your world. You need to fix it. How now, brown cow, do we fix it? By returning to Christ, by repenting of that iniquity and trusting in his grace and mercy to cover and for his spirit to build you up. Now, let's take a quick little break because we're going to come back to this. We're not done here, but we're going to come back. With that in mind, News of the week mm-hmm. is that some, I don't know how, you, depends on your political perspective, I guess, would be, de- would be, do you determine this person to be a villain or a hero? But some uh, enterprising person has done the unthinkable, which in our country, this is almost unthinkable historically, and leaked a Supreme Court decision telling us that there is a majority decision that is basically going to overturn the precedent that is Roe v. Wade going all the way back to what, 72, 73? Is it 73? 73, I thought. I think it is 73. Yeah, yeah. It goes way back. I, I was just a wee one back then. <laughs> I wasn't anything back then. Yeah. <laughs> so 
overturning and overthrowing that, which would return the abortion debate to the state legislatures. That's the part of this that I don't think anybody, if you're not familiar with the American system. Well, the constitutional uh, republic that we we live in, it it, it doesn't allow for uh, the Supreme Court or any court to make law. That's not stopped them in a lot of instances, but you are correct. And that's one of the things that this leak has Basically, that's one of the places where this um, this leaked decision rests is that mm-hmm. we're, we're not creating a law or undoing a right. We're returning this debate to where it always should have been, mm-hmm. which is into the hands of the representatives of the people. Right. And each state is autonomous as far as the legislation or the laws yes. that they want to infor- uh, create and enforce. Um, this this whole Roe versus Wade is, is is an atrocity. It's not a law, and it's being treated as such. Agreed, and that's now going to be undone and returned again where it always should have been, which is to the legislature. So if you're not familiar with the American system or you just don't know anything about it, even if you live here, then that's that's a quick little rundown of why this matters. This is a good direction, but it should be stated that uh, an abolition or a repeal of this law doesn't stop abortion. No, no, it is not because it's not a repeal of a law. Right. It is an undoing of a pol- of a judicial opinion on a law. Right, right. So it was a law stating that you should allow abortion based on these judicial concepts. They're now coming along and saying those judicial concepts either don't exist or are poorly argued. And this is – we have a history of this in the United States. I mean uh, mm-hmm. Plessy versus Ferguson. Was I'm not aware of it. That, yeah. No, that's okay. This is my wheelhouse in a, in a, in a small roundabout way in a former life. Um, you go back to the uh, 19th century, the Plessy versus Ferguson case was the case that basically decided that slaves aren't people. Okay. Now, if we don't have the ability to review judicial decisions and override poor reasoning, then that would be settled case law, and African Americans would still be enslaved in this country. Mm-hmm. But we don't follow that, so a, a court can come later on and go, well, that's just ridiculous. You did, of course, they're people. That what was wrong with you, and overturns that decision. So this happens all the time. Um, the one you would be familiar with, the Obergefell decision, which basically legalizes gay marriage in our country. Again, not a law, but it's an opinion overturning a prior opinion, such as uh, Lawrence v. Texas, which was a legislation that tried to um, tried to ban certain activities in the home put it that way and Got it. based yep. yeah based on what Obergefell does you can you can figure that out from there <clears throat> so this removes a legi- this removes a judicial opinion and returns the well it removes a federal umbrella of understanding because prior to this then how Roe would function in this country is if a state said well we think abortion should be outlawed someone could challenge and say well the supreme court's already said you can't outlaw it in Roe so this law is unconstitutional because they've already interpreted the Constitution in this manner. This decision is saying, yeah, that interpretation is ridiculous, and it was ridiculous. It's built on a made-up right founded upon the 14th and 9th Amendments. It's it's patently ridiculous. Right. That's why I think this is a a step in the the right direction, but it's not the end of the problem. Now, this this is why we're doing what we're doing today, because what's going to happen now is something that would have been settled by, well, it's law of the land, it's Roe v. Wade is now going to return to the realm of public discourse and debate. And it's going to return to that realm because you're going to have to have legislative action to either enshrine abortion rights in your state, such as places like New York have already done and Virginia has tried to do, or I think Virginia did. And, you know, like California will do that and Illinois will do the same thing. 
And you'll also have placed, uh, places like Texas and Oklahoma who are going out of their way to outlaw abortion. And this is what's going to happen. So this is going to become a public discourse debate. Every state will have to enact or repeal or modify legislation around this issue. And this is, so this is going to become part of the public discourse, which means, Christian, you have the opportunity to discuss this Christianly. Not politically. Look, do you have a political opinion? Yes. Everybody does. Everybody does. I'm not telling you not to. I'm telling you to have a political opinion that is informed biblically. Right. So we don't want to argue from a worldview discussion. We are from a world, uh, a worldview, a world. Uh, Let me get my words right. We do not want to argue from a secular standpoint. We want to argue the worldview from a biblical standpoint. And I've had this argument going back to my seminary days. Right. So I've, I don't know if I've told the story on here or not. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I, I no, would also add that uh, not only biblical, but it, we need to use proper interpretation of the Bible so that we don't fall into the pitfall of, of getting along and going along. Agreed. Because we're, there's a... a, a I don't know. I, we don't read the Bible that way. We we're we're like the Bible is the sole uh, <clears throat> source of truth for our lives, and and we want to apply it as best as we can. But there are some that would look at certain passages and say, "Well, it seems like it might be implying that it's okay to do stuff like this." And there's a couple I have in mind that we're going to get to. Okay, because we're going to go there. Okay, that's intentional. Good, good. So, um. I mentioned a couple weeks ago I had a Sunday school class where we went through just war theory. And I mentioned that my professor, my ethics professor when I was a seminary student was um, Dr. Heimbach, who actually wrote a paper that was given to uh, George H.W. Bush oh, before invading yeah, the um, – before, inv- inv- uh, before going to war against Iraq over Kuwait mm-hmm. to determine whether or not that would be a just <clears throat> war. And Dr. Heimbach, brilliant guy public policy type person. I mean, you know, one of those pulsating brain types. And we actually had this debate in class about how to, uh, how to understand the abortion discussion in public discourse. And I disagreed with him at the time, and I still do, because he wanted to argue it from a legislative and secular perspective because that was the best way in his mind to get public policy advanced. It doesn't make him a bad guy. I just think he's wrong. My argument was always that no matter what legislation you advance, you have to always bring the argument back down to its foundation, which is, what is it? What is it? In regards to that unborn child, you want to get the argument back to the, what is it? It's an anthropological question. And it has to be, because if it's not, you're arguing something else. And if you do that, you're not actually having the foundational conversation that undermines a secular worldview and replaces it with a biblical one. You also, when you think this through, do not get caught up. Do not miss the forest for the trees and get caught up in all the other aspects of this. You always want to get down foundationally to what are we arguing over? And I mean that literally. Because if you're not trying to argue over the identity and protection of a human being, you don't have a leg to stand on here because you're now arguing some other philosophical understanding. And like perfect case in point that people don't even realize, like you used, uh, you used the medical terminology and the accepted secular terminology. Fetus, right? Fetus. Yeah. Latin for little one. Mm-hmm. Little one what? <laughs> 
Right. And I, and I think a lot of people who are in the know about that word, when they're discussing these things, and it can be pretty heated at times with people who are pro-choice, yes. and they're using, they're using the word fetus, they don't realize that they're talking about it in terms of it is a child. Yeah. That's and, what I said. Little one, what? That's because... Yeah. When you have the argument come back to that place, then you can utilize things like we're utilizing here in Psalm 139. So let's go back to that and continue on. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. <clears throat> what does David want? David wants righteousness and judgment upon sin. This is what all of God's people should desire. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Why does he want judgment? Because he's being wronged? No, because God is being wronged. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Now stop. Why do you hate them and why are they your enemies? You hate them because they hate God. They've made themselves enemies of God. They profaned his name. And because they are God's enemy and you are God's child bought in Christ and adopted in, they are now your enemy. This is how this works, which means, again, Christian, you fight. Now, let me ask you this. Where is our battle? Is it against flesh and blood? No, it's a spiritual battle. Exactly. So as we talk about this, as we use this warlike language, recognize that we are encouraging you to go into a public sphere and debate with what weapons. We're not telling you to go to war with your fists. We're telling you to go to war with the word actually unleash the sword and get this argument down to a foundational place. So this is what David finishes up. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. This is what he does, is it not? This is what the Holy Spirit does when Scripture is wielded as its proper sword. The Holy Spirit convicts concerning sin and righteousness. The Holy Spirit brings to judgment. The Holy Spirit does all of this. Mm -hmm. David is asking for that work to be done for himself, Christian. You should expect that that work is done on your adversary as well, because that is what has been promised. Either their hearts are hardened and they are confirmed in their delusion, in which case you get to shake the dust from your feet and move on, or you're doing the work that you have been called to, and the Holy Spirit will do the work that he has promised. See if there be any harmful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Now, what's the everlasting way? This is your narrow road. This is your meditation on the law of God, your understanding of who he is, what he has done, and how you live in light of that. That's grounded upon Scripture. I was just going to say it's written down in a book. It's not (laughs) difficult. We just need to open the Bible and read it and try to understand it in terms of how can I apply this today. Amen and amen. Now, let me go grab, I'm looking at the spot, find, yes, I'm making sure I find my verses properly here. So, with that in mind, how do we do that? Okay. Why do we sit here and say that the road decision is improperly decided? Because it tried to define it as a right to privacy and an equal protection for the woman with her doctor. Therefore, the state legislature had no right to do that. Same thing that the Lawrence, uh, Lawrence v. Texas decision, I think that's 0203, tried to do was why does the state get to make laws that regulate sexual activity? Because that's an activity that should be engaged in by two consenting adults. And as long as it's two consenting adults, the state has no vested interest in what goes on. That was the logic used in the Roe v. Wade decision. 
And since you can't usurp that right to privacy, then you can't regulate this medical procedure. That was the argument. The reason why I think that's flawed, and you would think that's flawed, is what is it? That medical procedure is not the removal of a wart. It's not the treatment of a hangnail. It's the killing of an unborn child. Well, I would use murder. Um, Agreed. It, I mean, it's the same outcome, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a medical procedure. It's an assault. Right, and they... And they man, there are so many arguments about this, but when it all boils down to it, like you're, you're, you're talking about, it's not to, the removal of a ward. It's, it's, it's the actual murder of an unborn child, and it's a human being. It's, it's, it's not a, a, a bunch of cells. I mean, it, it, at its inception, it has all of the DNA, all the stands, strands of DNA that you would need to be a, a whole person. I mean, I was reading about this just before I came here, and there are <laughs> certain things during the gestation of, of a human child you know, that they're able to, I mean, their brain function starts really early. Now, why? Why is that the case? Because it's an event, not something that develops. God creates you. He, he it, Like it says in the psalm, he knit us in his, our mother's womb. And you can even go back. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Yeah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You. Hallelujah. Yeah, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5. That matters. Now, this is why I say you want to have the what is it, because what you're going to get from the other side is development, viability. Now, those are all, they're not medical arguments. They're philosophical arguments. Viability of what? Development of what? Now, I saw an interesting one today, and I was glad I saw this, because this, this goes to your point about reading Scripture right. Mm -hmm. Okay, you ready? I'm going to play devil's advocate right here. All right, let it rip. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now, no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. See, right there, God makes man out of the dust of the ground, and he's not actually alive until God breathes into him the breath of life. Therefore, you're not actually alive until you start breathing, which means if you are an unborn child in the womb, you are not technically alive because you are not breathing. I kid you not, I heard that argument today. Ouch. Uh, well, I mean, children do breathe ambionic fluid. Um, but, but, I mean, they don't breathe air, but that has nothing to do with creation. Now, why not? Because this is now, this goes to your point, though, of understanding Scripture well, rightly. Well, you have to take the totality of Scripture, right? I mean, when you just read a passage from Jeremiah, mm -hmm. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Now, okay, you, you, you are what God calls you. Principles of hermeneutics, okay? These are important things to remember. We always look at context. Right. That's what we did when we started with Psalm 139. That's why we like to read long passages over the course of a, a we don't just, we very rarely do stuff on short sections. We want to read, you know, whole paragraphs. Right. We right. want to pay attention to context. Right. Um, another rule of hermeneutics that I'm sure we've mentioned before, well, I'm sure we'll mention it again, but we're going to make sure we focus on it right now. The clear should always be used to understand the unclear. 
So, like, yeah, you have uh, 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul is talking about, well, otherwise, what about those who are baptized for the dead? And you're like, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, and I encourage you go listen to, um, that was Easter this year. That was part of the passage we did for Easter this year. So I didn't cover that in depth, but you can get a little bit of a heads up on that. Um, you read that and go, wait a minute, we're baptizing people from the dead? Now, you could try to make the argument based on that verse that there is some benefit to baptizing a person on behalf of the dead, that it must convey some accomplishment because otherwise Paul would not have mentioned it. The simpler argument is Paul doesn't mention it anywhere else in any of his teachings, in any of his explanations, and he doesn't use it as a commendation. He uses it to prove a point about the fact that you believe resurrection accomplishes something and you believe the resurrection is real. Otherwise, you would not engage in this practice. Nothing about the practice. So do I commend the practice when it is mentioned or commended nowhere else? No. Well, do you can't I build doctrine off of something that is so vague? Because you allow the... But how do I build doctrine? I have plenty of clear verses that tell me that salvation is by grace through faith, that baptism is a symbol of my death with Christ and my resurrection in hope in Him, Absolutely. and that my, that my works are wrought in God, not after death by somebody being dunked under the water. So I formulate my understanding of Christian living, salvation, and sanctification based on what is taught, not by what might be implied in an offhanded mention of a letter. Right. Make sense? Right, exactly. So clear versus unclear. Right. Just like when Peter says baptism, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. So I'm saved when I'm dunked, right? Well, no, I'm saved by grace through faith, based on the profession of faith, based on the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, what is Peter talking about? Well, he's actually making an analogy to the ark and how Noah entering the ark is a work of faith, just like Abraham being circumcised was an act of faith, just like Abraham trusting in God's promise is an act of faith, just like baptism is an act of faith. So we build based on the clear, obvious passages and use those to understand the unclear. So Yeah, it's interesting how people like to cherry pick and dive in on something like that and say, see? Oh, always. So let's take that understanding and apply this here. I cannot get my throat to cooperate with me. Yeah. There we go. That was it. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. First of all, just based on sentence construction, is that verse saying, that man receives his soul or becomes alive because God breathed into him. And what I mean by that is every human everywhere. No. No. When did that occur? At, at the first creation. For Adam. Yeah, for Adam. Now, yeah. can we stipulate that Adam is a special case? Well, of course. He's the first human being. Yeah, so we've got some oddities going along. This is your chicken and egg thing right here. I mean, we have to have creation of Adam this way because Adam has no one to be born by. If Adam had someone to be born by, we'd have to ask what question about them. Who created that? Where did they come from? Yeah, where did they come from? So that would so we avoid the chicken and egg by having a special act of creation. It's set aside here in Genesis two, not because it's different from the account in Genesis one, because it's expanded, because it's that important to understand what's going on here. So, excuse me. So we have to take one. This is a special case. So should we make the special case normative for all of human existence? Absolutely not. No. That would be like someone looking at you and saying, well, Paul tells me in Ephesians to put on the new man. I think I should leave my husband. (laughs) Wow. 
It took me a minute to process. <laughs> you were just like, "What? <laughs> you want you want your uh, Billy Madison button? Yeah. What you have just said is quite possibly the dumbest." <laughs> need that audio on speed dial, right? Yeah, we need, we need oh, that button. I want, that's when you need your RC Sproul bro. What is wrong with you people? Exactly. No. Because you don't take that offhanded thing and apply it to the wrong place. Just like you don't take the special circumstance. So, like Samson receives power from God and rips down the pillars of the Philistines. So what I should do is I should go to governments I don't like and pray to God and tear down their legislatures. That's not how this works, is it? No, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that feel that way. But that is not the way things should work. Here's a better one. Paul, because he was so faithful to God and so committed to the cause, was bitten by a snake and didn't die. I, too, should demonstrate my strength of faith by being bitten by poisonous snakes so I can show my, my faith in God and his power in me by not dying. Is that Peter or Paul? That was Paul. Did I say Peter? No. Okay, it was Paul okay. on Malta. That's oh, you're the right. shipwreck. That's right. He got yeah. right. Shipwreck. It is. I think it's Malta. It's Malta. Yeah, you're right. You're okay. right. You're right. Read Acts. It'll do you good. <laughs> right, right. I'm trying to yeah. process so, that. Yeah, I should, I should be bitten by poisonous snakes to prove my faith. What? See, no, again, why? Because special circumstances, right? Right, right. I don't go walking across Lake Michigan during storms to prove that God is with me. Right. Why? Because Peter walking on the water with Jesus was a special circumstance. I, I giggle because we have people in our country. I know, we have snake handlers. Snake handling. I know. And, and they take those verses, I know. and that's what they use to justify what they're doing. And they almost always are killed by these animals. Oh, I get it. But my point is, we recognize the folly of this interpretation and this hermeneutical method when it comes to those things. It's easy, therefore, to recognize it here. We have a special understanding and a special pleading. From this point forward... I'm having a hard time understanding how they could take that (laughs) passage and and make it mean what you just said. I'm not, for one reason. Uh, Well, we understand that... There's they want to. Broken people. They want to. It's almost like the God of pronouns that we talked about last week. I started, you know, okay, I wasn't going to go there, but I started writing the song for them. Oh, boy. Yeah. God of pronouns beyond my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is nice. folly. Folly. Oh. <laughs> nice. Okay. The universe displays stupidity. That's so good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but yeah, this is what I do in my spare time. Is I, I think of bad ripoffs of songs to, to mock the insanity of the world. If you don't laugh, you will cry and lose your ever-loving mind. Yeah. So, no, the reason I say this is, now you understand the, the prohibition from Isaiah, well, not the prohibition, the warning from Isaiah, woe to them who call evil good and good evil. Oh, yeah. And why Paul can sit there and say, no, 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 they know the truth. They reject it, and they give hearty approval to those who do the same. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. Because, Romans, because yeah. what's going on here? They know, just like, oh, I'm going to go back to Psalm 139, because <clears throat> this is why this was important to understand this. So, you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. The works being discussed there are the making of me. The reason why I should be praising God is because I exist. Well, and and you said something really important. And my soul knows it very well. Again, Isaiah 5, Romans 1. evident. Psalm 14. And the only way that you get around that is that your conscience is seared, and it's not like it happens overnight. It is something that you 
you fight for. Now, this is why what we're discussing is so important, what you just said. Mm -hmm. The conscience is seared. I can't change hearts and minds. The only hope for a depraved mind in a wicked heart is regeneration and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. What means does he utilize to accomplish that work? The testimony of Christ and his mercy and grace poured out against sinners. How do I get there? I get there by pointing out the brokenness of people by showing the vapidity, fancy new word of the day, the emptiness of their worldview. And the only way I can do that is by arguing from the firm foundation that is Scripture. So again, what is it? So I think abortion should be legal after so many weeks. Why? Why is it okay then to kill it? No, I'm serious. Yeah. No, and I'm not telling you to be snarky and I don't be mean about it, but at the, but you do. Like I don't think we should be telling women what to do with their bodies. We're not. We're telling women what they can't do with other people's bodies. Yeah, right. They want they want the right and the ability to control their lives. But they 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 fail to recognize that there's another little life in them. Which is why you have to get back to, so a woman should be able to take care of herself. I agree. When people annoy me, I should be allowed to kill them. (laughs) (laughs) I brought you into this world. (laughs) I don't just mean my children. I mean anybody. That's the argument, right? right? Right, That that pregnancy is an inconvenience. You're right. Every time I'm inconvenienced, I should be able to kill them. So when they cut me off in traffic, this is why I want a 50 cal mounted in my truck. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, hit the button, have a gunner. (laughs) It See, sounds silly, but that's what sounds, they're saying. It's, that's why, again, I make that argument because it sounds silly because you're saying, well, no, you can't kill people just because they're an inconvenience to you. I would agree with you, which is why we have the same argument we have against abortion because what is it? It's a person. It is a part of people. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you get to kill it. You know, just because it's little doesn't mean you get to kill it. Right. Just because it's dependent on other people doesn't mean you get to kill it. Well, that could be said of people who are sick and Agreed. indigent and, and can't Agreed. help themselves. Why? What, are we going to euthanize everything? Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> that's, that's what they're saying. But again, we because we're not having the fundamental argument, which is, what is it? And why is that important? Because as we recognize Psalm 139, Jeremiah 1, the understandings of the life of the prophets, the understandings of the call of people like Samson, the work of Christ from the very beginning, the the work called from John the Baptist from the very, very beginning, is that God is intimately, intimately involved in life from beginning to end. Why does he get to say vengeance is mine? Because the author of life is the only one who gets to determine finisher. Exactly. I mean, I mean, think about. Okay, you you mentioned John the Baptist, mm-hmm. Mary, the mother of the Messiah, went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and from the moment that they heard her voice and knew she was there, they didn't. Elizabeth didn't know that she was pregnant, but the baby in her womb did and leapt for joy. There's 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 cognate ability right there. Amen. It's just a child. I mean, go back to uh, the laws. That govern what happens if two men start a fight and there's a pregnant woman involved. And if the child is injured, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You take a life, your life is taken. Because this is the understanding in Scripture going back to the beginning. Which, right. again, if you want to have... Now, they're gonna, now you're, I know what you're thinking. You're looking, at, you're looking at your phone right now and going, but they don't respect that. Right. right. I don't care. It doesn't matter. 
Right. It doesn't I matter. Don't. You know, in, 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 in Leviticus, you know, 18, 19, 20, it, it, it talks about uh, putting your children through the fire. And, and that's another term for mm-hmm. child sacrifice. sacrifice. And, and those people, they sacrifice their children for monetary favor um, in the years to come. It's almost the same argument well, It's today. not almost the same. It is the same. Now, why do we say we don't care and that it doesn't matter? Well, I'm getting to my point is, is God tells his people that you're not to turn a blind eye to this because I'm not going to allow it. If you, if somebody that's from the, you know, the people of Israel does this to their children and you don't do something about it, I'm going to do something about it. That's why we don't care if you don't like what we say about what the Bible is teaching. And again, what's the thing that we do about it? We proclaim sin is sin and point them to what? Or rather point them to who? Which is a savior who redeems because he is the conquering king who will judge that. He will judge that sin. So either... Right. You you get in line, or he gets you. And we in put line. our foot down, and we yes. and we and we demand that our legislators uh, 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 legislate laws that it represent the morality of the people that are putting them in that office. And even and, if they and, do and not, when people break that law, they have there are consequences. And even if you do not, O King, we will not bow down, and we will right. not participate, and we will continue to do what. We will call sin, sin until the very end. This is why this conversation is so important, because this is going to happen. Every person running for office in this country this year is going to be asked an opinion on this. Oh, yeah. And they're going to give an answer. They're going to have to, because it's going to be demanded by 17 different special interest groups. And I'm here for this, because you know what? I want the light shining where? Everywhere. Exactly. Everywhere. I want everyone to be accountable for their... Their opinions or whatever their actions are. And the way we do that is by starting where? What is it? How do we define who we are and what we do, and why does that then matter? Because, again, when I'm having that argument, I'm getting down to a baseline foundation. I'm getting down to a place where we are now discussing who you are and how you think and evaluate as a person. In other words, I can show you the secular aspects of your worldview and replace them with biblical aspects and allow the Holy Spirit to do his job. I'm having the right argument. So, no. Life doesn't begin when you start breathing because God is the one who brings it to pass from beginning to end, from before beginning to end, as you would define beginning. Mm-hmm. Because he is God, and he is the righteous one who is at work in all of these things. So, as you listen, so what now? As you listen to the arguments, as you listen to the politicians, be, be listening not for action steps necessarily, but for worldview steps. Not just what are they doing, but why are they doing it? Because that's the place you're going to have to evaluate and and interrogate is probably the best word. Because we have to be willing to probe and answer and ask and, and again, give a defense for the hope that lies within you. Don't be ashamed of why you stand where you stand, Christian. This is who we are in the world. And Lord knows if we can't bring our biblical foundations to bear here, where can we? Right. And when can we? Right, right. This, this is the time. This, you, 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 there are millions of children that have lost their life because of this issue mm-hmm. in our country alone. And, we're, and be- we're trying to export it to other countries. And we're being handed an opportunity to enter into the public square and say, look, here's our idea. Let's run with it. Right. 
Shame be upon us if we do not take every advantage of it. We have to. This is our moment. Agreed. So, that was more than I thought we were going to do. That's awesome. Uh, what would you, re- I mean, as a resource, what would you recommend? I mean, there's a couple of places. One, uh, End Abortion Now, I think, is a really good place to go. Uh, .com, endabortionnow.com. Um, if you can figure out how to spell it, if you want some help on maybe some of the ways that you would argue, mm-hmm. the that's that's an awesome place to start. If you are stuck with someone who keeps trying to throw out the philosophical aspects of it, check out Scott Klusendorf. Scott Klusendorf. Okay. If, um, look up the sled argument. Okay. Because that because that is going to help you get back to the foundation of what is it, um, size, level of development. Um, yes, I've, I've I, yes I, I've been to that. I've, uh, yeah, I've oh seen that. shoot, it just went right it's out of really my head. Really good one. Yeah. Um, Sled. Duh. Location, but so that's, that's part of part of what I was talking about earlier. Well, it's tiny and it can't support itself. Does that mean we get to kill midgets because they're tiny? Right. Does that mean we get to kill people who are on ventilators because they can't support themselves? Mm-hmm. So that's that's where the slut argument comes in because, again, we want to get back to what is it. Right. And, again, I would caution you against uh, large national organizations. They're sometimes not always interested in the issue as much as they are interested in raising money. I'm not going to try to evaluate all of them. I'm just going to tell you that this is something that your ministry begins at home always. Right who you have influence over, the people you deal with. If we are faithful there, the big picture stuff takes care of itself. When you vote, when you discuss, when you endorse, when you you know commend people, commend them in a way that because they're actually carrying your values, not your argument. Because at the end of the day, who you are and why you're doing things will always trump what you're going to do because what's going to be the thing that will allow you to stand firm? It's going to be the foundation you're standing on. Mm-hmm. So when the world is trying to kill you for it, if I'm just standing on your idea, we're doomed. But when I'm standing on my idea is strengthened by God, we got a chance because I will then stand firm for that idea. So this is why I tell you, formulate your ideas and your worldview at the foundational level and demand that the people you support and commend do the same thing. Absolutely. And if they're unwilling to do so, find someone who will. So use those resources. Keep that argument in mind. What have we learned here today, children? Let's see. Because there's no sheet that I normally read from, so let's see if we can come up. What would our three big takeaways be, do you think? Um, evil is evil, mm-hmm. and it is never going to stop. The answer to evil is in Scripture always. And as we are faithful, he is fruitful. Sound good? It sounds really good. All right. I'm happy. Did we miss anything? Is there something else we should be worrying about? I don't think so. I think we, did, right. we, we touched on it. I mean, this is, this is a pretty deep sub- subject anyway. It is, right? and, and we're not trying to solve all the problems. I'm just trying to make sure you think about it right. rightly. Especially because it's in, it's, and it's it's not in going the limelight away. today. And it's not going away. Right. One way or another, it is not going away. So, Christian, gird thyselves up like a man— as, Job, as God told to Job, and go out into this world and bear the cross of Christ, because that's our call. So until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.